This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nelly. Our guest this week is Kansas U.S. Senator Pat Roberts. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance, still the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with the chair of the Senate Agriculture Committee, Pat Roberts, next. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. With crop prices falling, farm incomes plummeting, and Mother Nature wrecking havoc, the private sector crop insurance infrastructure is more important today than ever. Providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. U.S. Senator Pat Roberts was a champion for farm policy at his time with the House of Representatives and chair of the Agriculture Committee. He remained so in the upper chamber, now as chairman of the Senate Agriculture Committee. The Kansas Republican says last week's debate and votes regarding the EPA's new definition of waters of the U.S. was a litmus test for farm and ranch support in the U.S. Senate. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Farmers know who's with them and uh, farmers know who's against them. Uh, with regards to the WOTUS vote, uh, Senate Democrats block consideration of the bill that many of us co-sponsored, uh, the Federal Water Quality uh, Protection Act, and that would have forced the EPA to withdraw the controversial final rule and craft a new WOTUS rule. Senator Joni Ernst's joint resolution of disapproval of the WOTUS rule, which I also co-sponsored, that passed the Senate. It is expected that the uh, CRA resolution will be passed by the House, but the President warned he would veto uh, this should have come back to his desk. But at least we can make the effort. Uh, I just simply say farmers, ranchers, and rural America know now who supports their ability to protect and maintain their own water and land and who supports overregulation by the EPA. Let me just say that during that whole consideration, we talked with Gina McCarthy, about 11 senators, and we pointed out, yes, in the two-page bill, two pages, uh, it says normal farming operations uh, are exempt. Then there's 88 pages of regulations, and I defy anybody uh, to go through those regs to figure out what in the heck is going to be covered. That's the thing we were upset about. And then we had a comment period, and the EPA has an app uh, that they can hit, and it goes out to every environmental organization using taxpayer money. And um, they simply said, do you want clean water or not, or something like that. And, of course, they came back uh, with a big response and uh at any rate, uh, Gina McCarthy then came out and said, well, you know, 90% of the comments uh, want to protect clean water. Well, who doesn't? So we're trying to point out that that was a stacked deck comment period, and we want to go back and really have a proper comment period. It isn't, it isn't as if we don't want to work with the EPA to come up with something reasonable. It's just something that uh, we have to really be careful about, and uh, so hopefully we'll get that opportunity. Do you see a rider in the appropriation process that might make another attempt? Well, that's the case, but I'm afraid that, uh, again, you've got the president, he has an agenda, and if it doesn't fit his agenda, he just vetoes these things. I, I want to also mention there's ongoing litigation. That's 31 states uh, challenging the final rule. Uh, that 
basically adds to further confusion, I know, but uh, I'm glad we have 31 states uh, regarding the implementation and the applicability of the final rule all across the rest of the country. I'd like to have a comment period that really uh, deals with the people that are affected as opposed to the EPA hitting their app and just alerting every environmental organization uh, to say, yes, I'm for clean water. That's just not, you know, that's not appropriate, and that's the nicest way I can say it. With regard to timelines, country of origin labeling, uh, at, at some point retaliation is still possible uh, from Canada and from Mexico. Your agriculture committee and your chamber uh, yet really to address this. Is there a timeline and is there a compromise? Well, there is a timeline, and the compromise has been ruled out by Canada. Uh, they want the same thing that the House passed. I, I think the WTO arbitration panel, they can, can announce the uh, retaliatory tariffs amount that Canada and Mexico can implement on any U.S. exports by December 7. That's a rather uh, historic date. I'm told by uh, trade experts that as soon as December 18, why Canada and Mexico could start to implement those tariffs. Now, we've been trying to work with members on the Ag Committee here in the Senate to reach a compromise that satisfies the meat industry stakeholders, but the chief people are Canada and Mexico. Now, right now, that is not possible. Uh, we do not have a majority on the committee. Uh, just this week, I received a letter from the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture urging that we repeal COOL. If we repeal it, we will have no retaliation on American businesses. No sanctions, no problem. It's as simple as that. And let me mention, there is a new Prime Minister of Canada by the name of Trudeau, who campaigned on this and said uh, Canada was not being tough enough. So it isn't what Pat Roberts thinks, or for that matter, any other member of the committee, uh, that would say that there uh, should be uh, compromised legislation. This is three strikes you're out. This is the fourth time around uh, with regards to the, the uh, WTO. We certainly do not need uh, any kind of trade barriers or fines and all sorts of things. We just need to avoid that. But uh, we're going to have to wait until uh, this decision is made so we can convince some people that uh, the time is now to follow the House. Senator, is the crop insurance industry so tightly balanced that a $3 billion cut, would it affect the effectiveness of the program? Oh, you bet. Uh, this was um, really uh, suggested by the administration. Why on earth anybody in the room acquiesced to this is beyond me. But the way they targeted the cut, uh, this would really, really cause a lot of problems. There would be a lot of areas that I feel would not be served by any insurance company that would get into crop insurance. When I first got involved in this way back, 65 different insurance companies dealt with crop insurance. We're down to 16. I asked, I asked these folks, I said, where are we headed? It's not good news where we're headed anyway. This would hasten that. I think we get into single digits and there'd be areas of the country where, uh, simply we would not have crop insurance. That would be a disaster and would put us back in the days of annual disaster bills, which are a disaster to try to uh, pass, and then they're a disaster to try to implement. I'd like to ask for your comment, if you could, Representative Kind of Wisconsin offering legislation that he says is a long overdue reform, guaranteeing crop insurance companies 14% profit with virtually no risk with the ultimate cost to the taxpayer. Do you agree? Well, of course not. You know, Ron's a good guy. We seek his advice on a lot of things, but certainly not on crop insurance. Uh, basic thing is that the House and Senate leadership uh, listened to our concerns. Uh, Mike Conaway over in the House, who did a, a great job, 
that had 50 members there that uh, could have gone the other way. We call it the Ag Posse over there, and uh, agreed to restore funds uh, to the uh, crop insurance program and the year-end spending bill. Uh, that'll be done in the omnibus. Uh, we had a colloquy over on the Senate side that said, look, this is the number one issue on the part of farmers and in the entire country, uh, that, that if you don't have crop insurance, your local lending institution says, sorry about that. And then up and down Main Street, you really got a problem. So that's a real precipice. And that 14% is misunderstood by the uh, distinguished uh, congressman. Uh, that, you know, as you know, we go through that every, every year uh, with, the, uh, with the agency involved. And so uh, this is not, uh, there's always efforts uh, to cut out the subsidy with regards to crop insurance. I won't name the senators involved, but we in farm country are ready and able to point out that uh, these are very drastic cuts and that uh, under the circumstances would really put a dagger in the heart of the, of the program. We've worked too long to get this set up as the basic fundamental tool of risk management for farmers they can depend on. We don't need to be opening up the farm bill and you know, horsing around with it. I'd like to bring one more statement on this before we move on. Can you streamline the program, pushing out the larger operations in major states, still keep it affordable and viable, and manage the nation's production risk? How do you define large? You go out to Dodge City, uh, we're talking about 10,000 acres, 15, maybe 20. I've always uh, said that a small family farmer is somebody five foot two from Vermont who owns an orchard and they get a little more protein in their apple than they bargain for. And he's a, a retired airline pilot. That's uh, something like um, uh, Walden Pond Agriculture. We're producers out there. And if you cannot uh, get crop insurance for the amount of people or the number of people that really produce the most with, the, with regards to wheat or corn or soybeans or whatever we're talking about, cotton, that's what we're talking about. I don't know why we're going to try to define who is a large farmer and why that is not a, not appropriate, uh, or a small farmer uh, who's into the organic business, and that's a very good thing to do, but it's not going to feed America in a troubled and hungry world. So you're denying crop insurance to the people that produce uh, most of our food and fiber. That's nuts. The Senate has approved long-term funding for the Highway Trust Fund. Uh, the House approved theirs last week. Is there a compromise in the works that can be expedited, and is the funding source from the House maybe a little better than the Senate language? Well, I supported that passage of the long-term uh, uh, transportation uh, real, uh, reauthorization. Let me just point out that uh, everybody in the industry, the construction industry and everybody concerned, um, we need, uh, and, and this is true for almost everything that we're doing here, we need to give people some stability, some predictability. So uh, a long-term transportation uh, bill, six years, is the one that I would certainly strongly support um, simply to provide certainty and to permit planning and construction to continue. The House passed their version uh, and uh, it just a while back uh, last week, and now uh, we've just got to resolve the differences before the November 20 deadline. Uh, we have the pay-fors. Uh, the, uh, the House bill has theirs. We have ours. Uh, I think we can work it out. I think I, I think we're going to get this done. We should get it done. You're staring at another deadline on uh, child nutrition, the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act. What is your deadline there, and have there been areas of compromise, flexibility on whole grains or for sodium? Well, I know what my uh, position is on that, and I think I can speak for a majority 
of the majority members. We've just been working on that very hard with uh, Ranking Member Stabenow, uh, and we're trying to get a bipartisan budget-neutral agreement to move forward uh, with child nutrition reauthorization. I think we're very close. I think we're almost at the finish line. I've been traveling all over Kansas, eating school lunches with students and meeting with um, nutrition directors. I keep hearing one word over over and over, flexibility. Uh, that means we need to protect the tremendous gains already achieved by many school districts that are doing a good job and provide assistance to others so they too can achieve that kind of success. So my goals remain the same. Let's craft a reauthorization package that is bipartisan, increases efficiency, effectiveness, has flexibility, so all of our schools may achieve success in their meal programs. Real problems in the rural areas with small schools. So we had, uh, we held a hearing on child nutrition uh, back in May. Uh, we heard directly from school uh, nutrition uh, professionals and stakeholders. Uh, the people have to, do, uh, have to deal with it, uh, you know, every day. And those folks told us there are important improvements to be made, and I agree with them. We just need to get this done, and we're uh, we're very close. I think we're going to get an agreement. Is there a challenge on funds to help those same schools comply with more fruits and vegetables? Well, there's always that challenge. It was pointed out by one of our school nutritionists that uh, one person said that, well, they had 100% compliance. Well, everybody has 100% compliance because they've got to pay for it. But as she pointed out in serving that fruit cup, uh, that at the end of the day, they uh, they have to simply throw away a lot of that product because kids aren't eating it. Uh, we've got to work out some flexibility issues there, and uh, the same is true with other things that uh, you mentioned, you know, whole grains and salt. If you do not, there's a lot of vegetables, quite frankly, you can put cheese on, but if it's cheese that doesn't taste like cheese, uh, maybe some kind of bland toothpaste or something, uh, but let's let cheese be cheese, and the new dietary guidelines say that salt is not that much of a problem. Uh, by the way, it also says you can drink six cups of coffee a day. But uh, I, I think we're making progress, and uh, I think the whole grain situation and the salt intake situation will be resolved. Just a few days ago, you held a hearing regarding foods that are either GMO or foods that have ingredients from genetically enhanced crops. Uh, is this leading up to potential legislation with regard to national labeling of those foods? Well, we had the uh, hearing on biotech. And uh, it's important to note that the committee has a number of items that still need uh, uh, reauthorizing. That's the Commodity Exchange Act and obviously child nutrition for action. But we also have an oversight responsibility to make sure that sound science and research are the guiding principles in government regulation, especially with biotech. So we held a hearing here last month uh, to examine the regulatory framework for biotechnology as well as the benefits to ag and all the other stakeholders. And it is clear that we, you know, have, you know, concerns with safety. Like other bills addressing ag issues that pass uh, the House of Representatives with the help of Mike Conaway and others, uh, there's H.R. 1599, the Safe and Accurate Food Labeling Act. It's been referred to our committee, and we obviously down the road will have to take uh, action on it. But the biotech hearing that we that we had, we had the FDA, we had the EPA, and USDA. And the bottom line was that our food is safe, and we wanted to prove that to the American people. Uh, we know that in the 
uh, you know, through, uh, throughout ag country, but uh, we have the safest food in the history of the world. And with biotech, it can become safer, and uh, also we can produce more. So that was the nature of the hearing. We were flying about 20,000 feet. Sure, we're going to have to go down for a close encounter with that, uh, with that other bill you're talking about. Now that the text of the Trans-Pacific Partnership has been released, how does it change the debate over the policy and any crystal ball idea of when the Congress might ultimately be able to pick this up? Well, I hope that every member takes a hard look at the details. Now the text is out and staff is going over it uh, in the Ag Committee to determine if this deal is good for farmers and ranchers. Generally, trade is. It's good for Kansas and good for America. But, I, I, you know, we have to go through the text to determine if there's any snags or any fish hooks in there. There are people that oppose to this. I mean, just flat opposed to it. I understand that. Uh, but I think they're uh, – and it's tough today to sell uh, – a trade pact, uh, it's a, it, it was more um, easily considered in past years, I think, because of the uh, tough times with the economy and just people who are opposed to it. Uh, but uh, as uh, senators uh, go through the uh, text of this, we'll see where it falls out uh, on the Finance Committee, of which I'm a member. Why, uh, we're going to go over it very carefully, and we're going to go over it very carefully with the with the Senate Ag Committee. Uh, I hope that I find the draft uh uh, such that I can support it. Senator Roberts, we want to thank you so much for spending time with us again here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and Senator, you have the last word. Last word is um, the farmer never put the seed in the ground if he wasn't an optimist. And uh, while we have some tough issues to face back here, uh, rest assured, uh, I want to give a big, uh, a big pat on the pack uh, to Mike Conaway, who stood up in the House in defending crop insurance. Uh, we like to think we did the same thing over here in the Senate. Uh, we just can't let that uh, uh, be cut to that extent. And that we're going to continue the fight, and uh, more especially with government. Uh, I had an old boy tell me out in western Kansas, Pat, I feel ruled, not governed. That pretty well sums it up. Uh, we'd like for all the regulatory uh, overkill to be... Uh, uh, let's let's move that back to the people that are concerned and really listen to them and see if we can't get some regulatory reform. Our thanks to Kansas U.S. Senator Pat Roberts, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance, still the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley. 